Hi everyone, Philip Sutka here. I have a small favor to ask. I recently updated the Dark River website and with it launched a new mailing list for the podcast. An email list is any author or podcaster's superpower. It's the most direct way that creators such as myself can connect with their audience. I have an exciting announcement coming soon and would like to share it with you first. And I'm going to need your help in launching this new development. So if you would be so kind... Go to darkriver.ca and access the hidden episode at the top of the homepage to sign up for the mailing list. Not only will you be the first to know about updates, but you'll also have access to a behind-the-scenes look at how I created each of the stories. If you try it for a bit and decide that it's not for you, you can easily unsubscribe at the bottom of any of the emails. Believe me, I will not take offense. I will just be so thankful that you were willing to give it a shot in the first place. So head over to darkriver.ca, access the hidden episode, and join the ghosts in uncovering the town's secrets before anyone else. And now, on with today's story. Thank you for joining me in this strange small town in northern Ontario. My name is Philip Psutka. If this is your first time visiting, I'll be your guide. If you're a familiar face, it's good to have you back. The town embraces newcomers and old friends alike. But be warned, it doesn't easily let you go. So dim the lamps, settle in. Welcome to Dark River. This was a terrible mistake. It was pitch black, and the darkness around the boy intensified with each step further into the forest. The lantern sent the darkness fleeing before him, but it also welcomed the shadows, elongating and contorting the shape of the trees along the ground. Each one of them looked like the terrifying figure that he'd witnessed in the corn maze the previous year with its long arms. The corn man. It had taken his friend, Jack, who was never found, despite the vast search all throughout the night. Now, somehow, he had let a few of his friends talk him into this dare, and although he was miles away from the cornfield, he now realized that he couldn't be sure that the long figure remained only at Barker's farm. It could be anywhere, just waiting for him. He was just about to turn around when the light from the lantern caught the side of a log dwelling. He had found it, after all. Just a quick look in one of the windows, he thought, and then I'm gone. Slowly, he approached the house. It was small, with a front porch with a rocking chair on it, facing the depth of the woods around it. There was no smoke coming out of the chimney. She must be in bed, asleep. At least, that's what he hoped. Holding the lantern up, he shone it across the porch. All was dark and still. With a deep breath, he stepped up onto it and approached the front window. 
The glare of the light off the glass shone back in his eyes, and he flinched, lowering the lantern. Beyond the glass, darkness. He nearly dropped the lantern and clapped his hand over his mouth just in time to stifle a scream. The wavering light from his trembling arm revealed the rocking chair rocking gently back and forth of its own accord. Just the wind, he whispered. The rocking chair stopped. And then he heard another creaking sound, only this one was more intense and was getting higher as it went. It was coming from just outside the reach of the lantern's light to his right. Against his better judgment, he inched the lantern in the direction of the sound. He saw the wall shifting outwards towards him. He stood fixed to the spot in terror before realizing that what he was hearing was the creaking of hinges and that the mass of wood moving forward was the edge of the front door. His arm wilted in fright, and the shifting light revealed the bloodied head of an axe, slowly pushing the door open wider until a gnarled hand came into focus, bathed in a hellish red light. The spell broke. He dropped the lantern and ran. Off the porch he flew, waiting for one of those bony hands to clamp down on his shoulder and pull him back into the black house, kicking and screaming to be hacked to pieces and never seen again. The roar of the fire behind him bolstered his resolve, and he weaved through the trees, narrowly avoiding plowing headlong into some of them as they materialized out of the darkness. Thankfully, there was the moon to help light his way, and he found the wooden corduroy road leading out of the forest. Stupidly, he had taken a dare and nearly lost his life. Instead, he had accidentally taken the life of another, the witch. There was no way that she would survive the inferno his lantern had transformed her house into. Was he a hero? He didn't feel like one. And he knew that, even if he swore on his mother's grave, the other boys would never believe him. She watched the boy tear off into the trees. He had nearly given her a heart attack when he dropped the lantern, but miraculously, it had remained intact, and she was able to scoop it up before the front porch caught. The fire in the hearth behind her was roaring to life. She had been breaking up kindling with her axe when she noticed the light bobbing outside her window. One of the town kids again. She was in no mood for visits tonight, especially not that kind, so she figured she'd give him a good scare. She figured right. Janet Marley lived on the edge of town in the woods. While she used to be fairly outgoing and friendly, she had turned reclusive ever since her husband died five years ago. He had taken with him a piece of her that she couldn't fill, no matter how many friends she had or acquaintances she caught up with, so she found it easier to stop trying. She was all the company that she needed 
but company found her, whether she liked it or not. Occasionally, she would stop in town to get some supplies and would catch the eye of some of the children. But whenever she tried to approach them, they would turn and run. Granted, her appearance had not been her priority since Ron had passed. What was the point, after all? Her hair was in knots, and her eyes were a bit wild from lack of sleep. But other than that, had she really changed so much? The children of Dark River evidently thought so. She was an outsider. She was different. She was dark. So she began returning their glances with glares, which of course didn't help things, but they were just children. What did she have to worry about? Then she found out. It was dusk on an early October evening the first time a rock came through her window. She just caught sight of them disappearing back through the woods towards town, laughing and hushing one another. And it continued from there. She had been deemed the town witch, and there was no changing children's minds once their imaginations had taken hold. There was nothing for her to do but accept it. She wasn't going to keep them away by asking nicely, so she started playing the villain they so wanted her to be, scaring them off every chance she got. Granted, she had never approached one with an axe or anything like that, until tonight. But it was in her hand, so what was she supposed to do? Besides, perhaps this would be the end of it. After all, what child in their right mind would voluntarily come near the crazy old hag in the woods who chops children up before tossing them into her stove for dinner? Hopefully, this narrative would hold, and she would be free of them once and for all. And with that comforting thought in her head, she turned back to chopping wood to feed the fire. Something shifted behind her. She didn't hear it so much as feel it, like part of the room melting and then reforming. She turned around, but saw nothing out of the ordinary. Her windows were still intact. The front door was still tightly shut from when she had closed it. The lantern was still on the table where she had... No. She gave her head a shake and looked again. The lantern was on the table, yes, but not where she had left it. She clearly remembered placing it near the center to better light the whole room, but now it was at the edge closest to her. Ha! She yelled to the empty room, and a stream of laughter bubbled up from her gut. She had gotten herself so focused on scaring the life out of these youngsters that she had actually fooled herself. The lantern was exactly where she had placed it, of course. How could it be any different? What? Had the boy come all the way back, snuck in without her knowing, only to move the lantern a few inches closer to her before sneaking out again? That was something only witches could do. And, according to the children of Dark River, she was the witch, not them. It was getting late, and she was evidently more tired than she had realized. She damped down the stove and put the kindling in the box next to it. This was her favorite time of year, for she loved nothing more than settling next to a roaring fire with her wool blanket around her shoulders before going to bed. Small comforts were the only comforts she cared for anymore. She reached for the lantern and found her hand in darkness, 
It must have gone out, and with the stove closed, the small cabin was dim. As her eyes began to adjust, she felt around for the lantern, but found nothing. There was the edge of the table, yes, so it should be right there. She was sure of it. Still nothing. Only air. She swept her hands across the surface of the table. Her eyes had now adjusted, and as the table came into focus, she froze. She bent down as fast as her creaky knees would allow her to look under the table. She came back up, her breath quickening. Nothing. The lantern was gone. Perhaps her eyes hadn't fully adjusted. She crossed back to the stove and opened the door once again. The fire flared back to life with the fresh burst of oxygen, throwing its light across the room. She knew what she would see before she even turned around and registered the bare table. She needed sleep, that was all. She had clearly left the lantern outside earlier after ensuring it wouldn't burn her house down, but she had no desire to confirm that, lest she should find nothing out there as well. Best to sleep it off and sort it out in the morning. She closed the stove down once again and turned towards her bed in the corner of the room. She had just removed her coat when the light caught her eye. At first, she thought it was the glare of the light from the stove off the inside of the window, but when it registered that she had fully closed the stove down, she looked again. There was no denying it. A small flicker of light was bobbing just outside her window. Now it all made sense. The dreaded boy had returned after all and was taunting her. Would they never leave her in peace? What did she have to do to finally be rid of them? I know just what, she said as she walked to the door, grabbing the axe on her way past the stove. Of course, she was only planning on scaring him, nothing more. As an afterthought, she grabbed her large black hat hanging by the door. If he wanted a witch, a witch was what he'd get. She placed her hand quietly on the knob of the door and looked out the window one last time. The light was still there, taunting her. In one swift motion, she turned the knob, opened the door, and ran out onto the porch, brandishing the axe, yelling, Ready to be mincemeat! But there was no one there. The porch was as dark as a grave. Now she truly felt as if she was going crazy, until her eye caught the light of the lantern in the trees nearby. Somehow, the boy had seen her and taken off just as she emerged. Before she had a moment to think about what she was doing, she was off the porch heading towards the light in the trees, the axe still firmly in her grasp. The light remained where it was, still tucked in the forest, bobbing away. This ends tonight, boy, she muttered under her breath. She didn't care if he saw her coming. In fact, she wanted him to. She wanted him to get a good look at her face and the axe swinging by her side. She wanted him to see the months of stress and frustration he and the other kids had caused. But most of all, 
She wanted to see the look on his face, the moment when he was sure he was going to die at the hands of the witch. Odd. The lantern remained where it was as she approached. Did he not see her coming? Why was he just standing there? There were now only a few trees between them, and as she felt the glow of the lantern fall upon her, she stopped before she became fully bathed in its light. Shadows were better. She could see the dark shape behind the light, but she couldn't make out any features. Despite the lantern illuminating the trees on all sides, the boy remained in darkness. It was as if light refused to touch him, like he was some black void that ate up everything but shadow. I knows who you are, so it's useless to hide your face, she said. The boy didn't reply. Both of them stood their ground, sizing the other up. I'm giving you one last chance, she said, bolstering her voice and, hopefully, her courage. Truth be told, there was something unnerving about the whole situation. Well, apart from being in the woods in the middle of the night and all. Something didn't feel right, as if she was somehow the victim of a cruel joke, still waiting to find the punchline. Were there other kids in the forest around her, waiting for her to take another step before rushing to ambush? Seemed like something the town kids would do. She scanned the area around her without moving her head. The last thing she wanted was to alert the boy that she was on to him and his cronies. Even though it was nearly pitch black around the lantern, her eyes were keen from many nights of sitting with only the trees and various wildlife as her companions. Still, she couldn't see any hint of another soul in the forest, Maybe it was just him, after all. But it seemed strange for a young boy to stand his ground while facing the prospect of being hacked to death by a witch. He had seen her oven, so he must know where he was headed. The absolute stillness with which he stood there unnerved Janet more than anything had thus far tonight. She felt as if she were in some strange dream where reality could flip on her at any minute and she wasn't in the mood for nightmares. Without another word, she swiftly crossed the distance between herself and the boy, grabbed him by the collar, and raised the axe. Thank you for listening thus far. In a moment, we'll return to the forest. But first, I'd like to let you know that it has been a privilege sharing spooky stories of this strange small town with you every three weeks. This will be the last, perhaps for now, perhaps forever. In the meantime, though, if you enjoyed your time in this haunting town, please consider leaving a review for the show on your favorite platform. But now, let's return to Janet Marley and the boy with the lantern. Without another word, she swiftly crossed the distance between herself and the boy, grabbed him by the collar, and raised the axe. The lantern jerked forward, and the light fell across the boy's face, illuminating it for the first time. Janet froze, her own eyes wide as she saw the empty sockets staring back at her. 
her heart pounding in her chest harder and harder, faster and faster, until it stopped. The axe fell in the twigs around her, the cracking sound echoing off the nearby trees. It was followed by a much larger thud, and the empty forest was silent once again. The following day, Nelson returned to the small house in the forest, tucking himself behind the nearby trees to avoid being seen. Despite the scare that she had given him, part of him felt bad for intruding because of some juvenile dare from his friends. He was getting older now, and was beginning to experience something entirely new, a sense of responsibility and an understanding that his actions had consequences. Whether it was that or mere curiosity, something brought him back here today, standing behind a massive white pine, peeking around at the house. There was no smoke coming from the chimney. It looked deserted. Carefully, as quietly as he could, he snuck up to the house and peered into the side window. The house was empty, the stove cold. Although there were any number of reasons why the old woman wouldn't be there, something about it felt finite, and somehow he knew, without a shadow of doubt, that she was not coming back. He turned and scanned the forest around him, the emptiness pressed in upon him, like a great living organism slowly digesting everything within it. The sound of the river was barely audible, but present nonetheless, cutting its way through the forest, carrying with it all the souls caught in northern Ontario's grasp, souls that longed to be free, but remained captive in the current. And as he returned to the corduroy road that led back into Dark River, Nelson caught a glimpse of an axe in the foliage, and he knew that he hadn't seen the last of the witch. This has been a tale from Dark River, written and hosted by me, Philip Sutka. I also produce the show, as well as compose the music for it. The podcast artwork was done by Chris Basutka. For more history of small-town life in northern Ontario in the early 20th century, be sure to follow our Instagram, at Dark River Podcast. Though based on actual history, this story is a work of fiction. Any resemblance to persons living, dead, or other is entirely coincidental and unintentional. Thank you for stopping by, and see you soon.